Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. Max Scherzer 
got himself hurt. Now, I believe he is not missing any time or is not expected to miss any time. But he got hurt because he got bitten on his non-throwing hand dog. And the headline catches my attention just because that is such a Mets injury, is it not? I mean, it's right up there. Now, that injury didn't happen in the Mets, but it's, it's right up there with the guy at the All-Star game who showed up with stitches in his chin because he slipped and fell and cracked oh, his chin yeah. open on the, on the coffee table, or Sammy Sosa throwing his back out while sneezing. I, I love some of these random baseball injuries. Wasn't it, was, I think it was Jeff Kent who, uh, who hurt his knee or something like that washing his car. <laughs> I think so. That sounds it sounds right. And then they then they did research and it turns out he was on like a motorcycle. But oh yeah, no, I do I do love a good stupid injury story. Now all in all, in the end, if you believe what Max Serger said, it was just a gentle bite. Nothing terribly too concerning. But you're right, it does seem like a Mets kind of story, especially consider I mean, here's the thing. Here here's here's why it feels different. And I I, I I get a lot of, you know, the New York sports talk radio. So when I, I refer to Heroes New York, if I go anywhere, Nate, if I go, I, you know me, I'm a frequent Disney World guy. So if we go there and people ask where we're from, I always tell them uh, New York. And if I were to ever go to Europe or something, I'd tell them I'm from Canada, quite frankly. But that's a whole other story. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's been, though, absolutely unbelievable because – you know, New York fans were notorious for complaining when we win, complaining when we lose. You know, it doesn't matter. I mean, we booed Derek Jeter at one point, and you know, again, seeing the city finally come around on Giancarlo Stanton, even though he's been hurt for a little bit, he's back now. And there's got this. Yeah. He's not, you know, like a Joey Gallo in that you think he's just a a hole in the lineup. But uh, it's been it's been exciting to say the least. Um, you know, the thing is, is there's a flip side to it, right? It feels like every time there's a good, you know, there's a feel good story. There's always the opposite, the flip side. And, and, and real quick, Yankees right now ahead again. And conversely, uh, you know, you have teams like Oakland who still actually they're tied right now. They're not losing yet, but it feels like Oakland being involved in any baseball game has just an inevitable loss. You got Boston playing the Angels, who are two games under 500, but it feels like, or they're they're 27 and 29, so they're, so they're two games back. They're a game back from being 500. But Nate, I, I'm, I'm I really want to start here, and I want to ask you what you think of what's going on with the Angels, who are right now amid a 12 game losing streak. And quite frankly, I mean, if you take that 12 game losing streak away. They're 27 and 17, which is a great record. And now you've catapulted to 27 and 29. You you, you dismiss the manager, um, Joe Madden, by the way. And Joe Madden, I mean anybody who's a baseball person. If you're if you if you're listening to this podcast, you don't know who Joe Madden is. Then first off, I've got a lot of questions. But after what he's did with the Rays for a number of years, and then the Cubs, obviously. Um, he just couldn't quite get it done with the Angels. And the Angels, to me, are the, one of the most perplexing franchises that there is, but with the ultimate star pot power of Shohei and Trout. Um, but beyond those two, I mean, I struggle looking at the Angels and saying how anybody could go in there and expect to be successful. I mean, 
they're, they're second in the division, right? So it's not like anybody who comes in there, right? If you were to hypothetically bring, say, a Buck Showalter in, right? And that's, to, in my mind, for the next number of years, that's going to be the example of the guy you bring it off the street. Um, you know, would he write the ship? I mean, I, I don't know what to make of the Angels. Now, here's here's one quick note, Nate, and, and then, you know, I, I asked you what your opinion was on this, but I went on like a five-minute rant. Um, if you look at all of their losses, yeah, there have been uh, there's been a seven to two loss and a ten to nothing loss. That series against Philly was not great. The series against the Yankees that was a that was a, a, a dead tree running into a buzzsaw. And Toronto is Toronto, so you know that explains some of this losing streak. But they're just not they're they're not blown out but they're losing the close games. And I think that's, if you're a, an Angels fan, that's got to be frustrating. I mean, Nate, what do you see was their fall from grace? Or was it just a false start when they started 27 and 17? I was never a firm believer in them. I know uh, early on, you know, like you said, they, they came out, well, let's see, they came out, they lost three or four to Houston, beat Miami, Took three or four with Texas, and then I see you're looking at a schedule too. I am, yes, because you know it is important to like kind of look into perspective to try and put some of this into perspective. And they they started out with some difficult teams, but then they hit a nice little soft pocket, I think, in their schedule. And weirdly, that doesn't include Baltimore because they dropped two out of three to Baltimore at home. But then they went on that nice little winning streak where everybody started thinking, hey, maybe this is different. I can't I, – I personally could never really buy them as contenders because you had Shohei Otani, and then after that, who is pitching for the Angels? Like, who right. Who are they going to rely on? You're gonna, Alex Cobb? Every time that he went well, out on the mound and had a good start – every time that he went out on the mound and he had a good start early on in the year – I just kept watching him like, okay, when are you going to have your blister? Because Alex Cobb hasn't pitched a fully healthy season since he was in Tampa. He's just – he's not a good pitcher anymore. He, when he was in Baltimore, I remember watching him in Baltimore and interacting with some Oriole fans who, after we finally dealt him to alert – I think we ended, up deal, we ended up letting him walk, and he went to the Giants maybe – and he had a couple of good starts or a couple of good showings with the Giants and then inevitably blister problem and he's out for a while. And there were Oriole fans that every time he has a good start, they look back and like, oh, why did we let him go? It's like, you realize Alex Cobb, when he was here in Baltimore, he was just a shade better than Ubaldo Jimenez, who was our, who was the Orioles' like, record signing at the time because they had never really signed a free agent pitcher to a four-year deal. They only wanted to sign free agent pitchers to three-year deals, which was part of the reason they could never get a free agent pitcher to come to Baltimore. That and the fact that every ball, every fly ball to left field left the playing surface. But, like, when you're relying so heavily on Alex Cobb to be your guy, like the Orioles did when we signed him to a four-year deal, you're in trouble. The guy, when he's healthy and able to pitch, he's kind of league average, or, like, he aspires to league average to hold it there. But he can't stay on the field. He just can't. So, you know, once you get past Shohei Hotani, which he was wonderful last year, I think you're kind of seeing the league kind of sort of 
figure him out where he's not like the 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 bloom is off the rose a little bit in terms of like right. oh my god can you believe we're actually watching this is this actually happening he's still a superstar I would love to have him on my team like it's something special to see a guy that can both pitch and hit as efficiently and effectively as he can. Major League Baseball will figure you out really quickly. If, you, if they don't figure you out from start to start, they're going to figure you out from year to year, and you have to adapt to that. I still think Shohei Otani has the ability to do that. But you, looking around at the rest of the Angels, and it's like, okay, I don't know who else is going to pitch here. You have the, you have the kid who threw the – through the no-hitter against Tampa, but as um, <laughs> uh, Mike and I touched on this a couple of weeks ago, yeah, he threw a no-hitter. Rays, impressive. But if you dive deeper, he had one strikeout against a team like the Rays that just swings. Swing, they, yeah. Last year, I believe, the, I'm pretty sure last year the Rays at one point were leading the league in both home runs and strikeouts because they are just up there to hack by and large. And when you're up against a team like that and you can only get one strikeout, some that tells me that you had a lot of luck on your side there. I'd lo- I I do need to dive into that box score a little bit more and see what his uh see what his BABIP, the batting average on balls in play for those who aren't familiar with the acronym. Uh I I'd love to see what what his uh BABIP was for that game. But yeah, I I think it's I think they're playing with a little bit of fire. They're now getting burned. Now, to lose 12 in a row, like, that also takes a comedy of errors and takes a lot of bad luck. Uh, well, I mean, so to be, again, you want to see them to turn be, around. To be, but. to be a little bit fair to the Angels, which, it's, again, hard to be fair to a team on a 12-game losing streak, um, I do give them some, I don't know, leeway is the right word, but a little bit of slack for those losses being one-run games, a number of them, not all of them. But, you know, I, I, one thing I don't think we saw, which is unfortunate, and this is where I'm going with this, is Joe, the Joe Madden angle, is it's not like they weren't playing hard for them. It's not like they gave up. I mean, they were, what, in, the, in that loss stretch, you know, they lost to the Red Sox um, yesterday, one nothing, And then against the Phillies, um, they lost the game ten to nothing. But other than that, I mean, yeah, there was. I think there was one nine to one game in there, and I'm not going to read all the scores. But it's not consistent that they've been blown out. And Nate, we've been watching this game long enough to know that if you're if you're just not a great team, you know, you'll accidentally win a few games. And if you're a great team, you'll accidentally lose a few. And no matter what, in the story of baseball, every team has stretches where they're really good. Every team has stretches where they're really bad. It just doesn't seem to me like the Angels were uninspiring. You know, that's, that's uh, I think, the way I'm seeing it with them. I mean, conversely, right, I look up and down, you know, the Yankees wins and, and more importantly, their losses. They lost a the game five to nothing to Chicago. They lost um, – they lost a three to nothing game to Detroit and a three to nothing game to Toronto. Goodness gracious, the Yankees haven't lost like any close games though, or any they really they haven't really been blown out. There was the five to nothing game, but everything else is I think like two or three runs. It's kind of I didn't quite realize that every game except for the five to nothing loss to Baltimore, you know Baltimore, and the White Sox, everything has been at least three runs or less. It's crazy. Um, 
So there goes my example I was going to make, but I don't know. I just, I think you watch them on the field and they hadn't given up. And that, that to me bothers me a little bit with the dismissal of Joe Madden because Joe Madden's the kind of guy you need to get you out of this. If you're a team that's, that's in the spot that the angels are now, I feel like Joe Madden's the kind of guy you want to bring in. So tough for him. He's out. Um, you know, not the only manager vacancy that's in the, um, in baseball right now. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know if teams making managerial moves like doing them in the middle of the season. Um, but Joe Madden and Joe Girardi, tough, tough week for Joe's, uh, both out. And, and those are two really established veteran managers. But I think they're both very different styles in that Joe Madden's a lot more loose and, and easygoing. Joe Girardi, I don't think he's ever been called loose or easygoing at any point in his career. Um, so I almost be interesting to see if they just kind of swapped teams or something like that. Um, but if you're, if you're the, if you're the angels, mate, I think the problem, you have to address the problem from the roster, right? It, it's not, I don't think it's the manager. I think it's the roster. And like you said, there's no pitching and there's no anything on there. Uh, I mean, at one point, what Mike Trout had an, was over 26 at one point. I had to look it up. I knew he had a really bad stretch in there but you know if your star player's not playing well and you don't have much else outside of Otani, what are you expecting from the angels right yeah and i mean if you're gonna you know you you've kind of touched on it a couple of times how a lot of their losses you know they're one run two run losses so i was just you know kind of clicking through on the schedule some of those losses and looking at the line score because i'm curious how they happened because like you know the orioles this past weekend, the Orioles played Cleveland. We lost two out of three to to Cleveland, but we lost them like we lost them by a run, and we lost one of them by two runs. Now the two run loss or the three run loss, I think it was actually the Cleveland was winning that game six to three. Orioles scored three runs late to make it look more respectable. The one run loss, right. Cleveland went up two one. Wow. Orioles answered back or Cleveland went up 2 nothing. Orioles answered back to make it 2-1, and then nobody did anything for like six or seven innings. That's not what's happening with these Angels games. If you go and you look at some of these line scores of these one-run close losses that they have, they're losing every one of them, seventh inning, eighth inning, and most of them in the ninth inning. So what that tells me is they have no bullpen. And so I just went through and I looked it up. Good and point. They, in fact, have they have the fifth worst bullpen in all of Major League Baseball, and they have the second worst bullpen in the American League. And when you're ranking by uh, ERA, the only team with a worse bullpen than the Angels right now in terms of ERA is the Kansas City Royals. Not company you're you can afford yeah. to keep if you think. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not company you keep when you think that you're a playoff caliber team, which they've got star power there on the offensive side. Shohei Otani has enough on the mound. Now, if they can go out and find maybe another starter, I don't know where they get that from, but there are guys up. You can get bullpen arms. Go ahead. Nate, I got to stop you. I got to stop you because, right, you said – I think you have more faith in the Angels than I do. Okay, you've got Shohei, you've got Trout, and and okay, you got an outfielder, right? Yeah. Beyond that, what do right. the Angels have? Well, you have Rendon. You can't. Okay, that's the third guy. Isn't Rendon well, a third baseman? He's an outfielder. 
I did. Hang yeah. on. Let's. But you know what I'm saying. Let's, like, <laughs> yeah. Who's, who's winning the games? Well, they do actually. We've been. I can't believe we've been doing this. We've been completely discounting Noah Syndergaard, who actually is pitching fairly well for them. They're just not getting him the results either. So there's your extra pitcher to throw in with, I guess, Cobb and Otani. But I mean, we we say this that where are you going to where are they going to get their runs from? But look at, I mean, just look at their line scores. They're scoring runs for the most part. I mean put up seven against Philadelphia. If you're scoring seven runs, that should win you the game most nights, but they fell apart in the bullpen. Uh, five against, five in Toronto, three in Toronto, three in Toronto. They scored 10 runs in one of their losses to Toronto. Uh, let's see, in this New York series, what the heck did they do in that New York series? Okay, well, the New York series just doesn't count. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the offense I feel like the offense is there, kind of. I feel like they're getting enough. But I, maybe not. Right, I, and that's why I don't think dismissing they, Madden was a, the right move, personally. I'm not sure that dismissing Madden was the right move either. I think it was an overreaction because the Angels do expect to be a playoff team this year. I get, maybe they thought that this was the year that Houston could be had in their division. They still have a plus 10 run differential. So like they are scoring runs, but oh man, they, I, I'm not counting them out. Like I'm not saying they're drawing dead in the playoffs because first of all, that's foolish. We're only a third of the way through the season, but second of all, with the extra wild card spots this year, that's going to open a way up. So they can still be buyers. Like step one obviously is get out of this losing streak, but if Right. If they can get out of the losing streak, and then if they can just start playing, say, 500 base barrels, maybe, you know, you got to win two out of three to play 600 baseball, or 666 baseball, rather. But if you start winning a series here, and if you're not winning the series, at least splitting the series, or getting a game and not just getting swept every time, the Angels are a team that they can still be buyers at the deadline. Now, do they need another pitcher to win the World Series? Absolutely, another starter that is. If they can get that bullpen figured out at the trade deadline, and there are teams out there with good bullpens right now that are going to be selling. Baltimore is a great example. They've got a ton of arms in their bullpen. We know we're not going into. The, we know we're not going to be a contender for any of the playoff spots. I'd be willing to bet that the Angels could take any of Baltimore's bullpen arms and make a run at this thing if they really uh, – now, what would the price be? I couldn't tell you. And right now they're well, probably I, watching Kyle Bradish pitching for the Orioles and being like, we're not trading with you guys anymore. Yeah. Well, listen, if you're Baltimore, I think uh, – I like their, their their direction. You know, it seems like they've made some good decisions. Yeah, you know, there's always bad decisions. But mm-hmm. in general, they're not making – they're not making mistakes that leave you thinking, okay, the future of this franchise is no matter what in the tank. There's, there's definitely glimmers of hope, right? So it, it does make me want to ask the question right now, um, who, who right now do you think are the sellers and who are the buyers? Now, the easy answer, um, in my opinion, are, is always going to be um, the good teams are the buyers, the bad teams are the sellers. Although we have seen good teams – do both, um, not terribly often, but you have seen good teams, you know, trade away and then uh, roster shuffle. But 
you know, outside of your, your, your usual suspects, your Yankees, your Mets, Dodgers, um, who do you, who do you think are going to be your buyers, but equally important. And the other side of that coin, who's going to be their matches. You know what I mean? Like are the reds, do the reds have anything that they want to sell? Uh, we thought last the way the off seasons have recently gone, sometimes it seemed like the Cubs are selling or sometimes it seemed like there's their buyers. Uh, I, I feel kind of confused in some ways with what the Rockies and the pirates are doing. Um, they're both making investments that, that they've sold off a lot of pieces recently. Um, so I don't know. Those teams to me are, are absolute wild cards, but Nate, before you answer that, before you answer that, I see we got one of our buddies on the line. That you? Is that you over there? Uh, who is that? Is that Mike? I told you guys the power was coming for Ronald Acuna, and it was <laughs> going to come in bunches. And there he is. It has. <laughs> you are wrong, everybody. Mike, how you doing? Good, good to talk to you, buddy. Thanks, fans. Good to hear your voice. Nate and I had to hold it down without you last week. We somehow uh, managed to survive without your. Uh, your leadership and guidance, but we we were able to put it together and uh, and, and make everything work. But it, you know, it's it's nice to have the the entire band back together again, and, and we're we're happy to have you. Ah, uh, listen, it's always good. You know, my favorite thing about having the three of us here is I know Nate. Nate won't admit it, and it's funny, but he definitely has a very subtle East Coast bias. To a point where it's such an, a, a subtle bias that he refuses to acknowledge it. Um, maybe it's having played all of the teams that that the uh, that Baltimore does play. Uh, but what I love about having you on there, Mike, is you always balance us out. So do me a favor, help me balance this part of the conversation out, right? So that's what I was just talking to Nate about the trade deadline because we'd spent a, 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 a ad nauseum, really the first part of the show, you're talking about the disaster piece that is the Angels. So first, actually, give us your thoughts on the Angels, who, again, fired Joe Madden earlier in the day, um, joining the um, joining the Phillies, his team, Phillies recently fired Joe Girardi as the managerless teams. What direction do you think, actually, give us one for the AL, one for the NL, the Phillies and the Angels, are they um, – are they hopelessly out of it? Were the moves just in time to be able to save face? And then spinning it forward to the trade deadline, who are the buyers and who are the sellers? If your first name is Joe and you're a major league manager, <laughs> like I, I don't think that I would be uh, signing on to like add or build onto my house or anything right now. Uh, it does not seem to be a very good investment there. Uh, but, you know, I the Phillies aren't going to do anything until the offseason. Probably Rob Thompson is going to – or Thomas is going to be the the manager the rest of the way. I'm, I'm not shocked by that firing, though. I said that I thought it was too soon last week, and, you know, Nate and I talked about this. And, of course, like, I mean, listen, the uh, – the podcast had not even been released yet, probably before they they pulled the plug on Joe Girardi. Um, but I'm shocked with this Angels move. Like he's been with the Angels for a long time, and I don't know if this is just the organization feeling like they needed to do something. I really thought the Angels overachieved the first, you know, month and a half of the season. Um, you know, they made a few moves, but 
They, they still don't have the depth uh, anywhere, really. The depth. I mean, the depth. I mean, they've the, got three good players, and then there's the. They, it's, yeah, you know, but they, they don't have the depth on the pitching staff. They don't have, and now you got Rendon gone again. Who's a big piece to that, and and not back and healthy. This organization is very. I mean, the team itself is very top heavy. The organization is as well. It's not like they have a, a deep talent pool, um, and that's not Joe Madden's fault, right? Like um, he just came in over the last couple of years. Um, that's not his fault, but once again, like somebody has to be made the scapegoat, and it happens to be Joe Madden. Uh, I'll say the same thing I said last week. I don't think that they're specifically out of it yet, um, but it's not looking pretty. And once again, you're going to have to pay that piper and go on some sort of win streak. And if it doesn't, I mean, you're going to have to make up for this somehow, somewhere. And I I just don't think this Angels team is constructed in such a way that I, that they can reel off say twelve to fifteen games at some point. So um, I, I don't I don't I don't like it for them. I don't think they need to, Mike. I, you know I don't. You, you said they need to reel off twelve or fifteen. I mean, if you look at the division, uh, you know they're behind. They're eight and a half. So there's, there's no division. Outside of the like the NL Central, I think that's truly a fight, quite frankly. Um, so everybody's facing fighting for that wild card. And if you look at the wild card for the Angels, they're a game and a half out of a wild card spot. Out of a, I think it's a, it would be a game and a half out of a tie with the Red Sox. Um, so no, I I disagree somewhat. I mean, you've got a a twelve game losing streak. And you're a game and a half out of being right there in the wild card. And as far as I'm concerned, you know, anything within three games, you're you're within striking distance of that wild card spot. Again, that's what you're chasing in the AL. Um, so I don't. I think the Angels need tweaks, but the tweaks are just to get them into the playoffs. Let's be clear. I'm not talking about getting them to be a you know a true World Series contender. I don't think that's just not in the cards for them this year. And I would say the same thing for the Phillies. And But the Phillies, it's more the opposite problem, where the Phillies, uh, I, I don't think, you know, they're four and a half out of that wild card. There's a lot of teams who are going to be fighting for it. Padres, Giants, uh, the Braves, like you said, climbing back into it. I, I, I'm not, I mean, the Cardinals and the Giants, who, who I, you know, I both of those teams, you know, they could be this year's Giants, including the Giants. Um so, I don't. I think I think the Angels should make some tweaks and try to go for a playoff spot. Whereas the Phillies, I think if you're the Phillies, you just gotta you just gotta call it at, at some point. The problem is, is they've got so much money tied up in that roster. You almost can't. How are you going to sell that to your fans? And I think it matters for for a team like the Phillies how you sell it to the fans. Um, I said this a week ago, and I think one of the things that really really has hurt the Phillies though is. Bryce Harper's elbow, you know, his arm going down because uh, Kyle Schwarber is not a great defensive outfielder. Castellanos is okay, but you're having to have him in the field every day. So your your outfield defense is completely taken a hit. It's interesting, all those moves that they've made, they still haven't ever been able to find a center fielder. They've got like a rotating uh, a wall in center field. But the, the problem with the Angels, and you mentioned the tweaks, to this roster, 
And yeah, in an ideal world, you do a couple of things to 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 try to do that. But the thing is, is you don't have a lot to deal with. Like you you don't have a lot of pieces in that minor league system or to try to deal. And even then, like you want to be careful because the you know the the only wave of talent that you really still have are just now making the major leagues. Uh, but that is not a very deep farm system right now. Yeah, well, let's be fair. It's also not a very deep major league roster either. So there's just there's right. nothing so in the cupboard. You can't continue to, well, you I, can't continue to, you, to pull from it. I'm going to ask the question out loud that, that it just feels dirty. If you're the Angels, would you ever consider moving Trout and just resetting the franchise? And I mean, I think the, the Dodgers would be the only place to send them that would have enough in terms of prospects to give you anything back. You're not going to get Trout's value back. I mean, he's, you know, but if you're the Angels, you have literally nothing. I mean, what are you, what are you, you doing? Can't, you, I just, you can't. You can't. Why? Because... First of all, if, you, if you're going to trade away Trout, you're going to go ahead and lose Otani, too. He may be the, one of the biggest stars we've ever had in this game. And keep in mind, Trout just came off, like, his hugest, the worst slump he's ever had. He was, like, 0 for 28 or something stupid until he got a single last night in a one to nothing game that they still lost. Uh, but but he just came off a big slump. and he, I mean, he's still there. He still has, he still has a ton of value. Uh, but... You're going to have a really hard time. Like, the whole narrative has always been, can we surround him with enough pieces to win? And then they go make a big deal for Shohei. Uh, now they try to make a couple other moves to to continue to balance out that roster. If you're the Angels, you cannot sell that to your fan base. I, I just don't think that you can. You have um, arguably, you could make an argument for the two best players in the game on your team. And if you get rid of them, no matter what you're trying to rebuild or whatever, I just don't think you can sell that to a fan base. Uh, it feels very Barry Sanders um, to me uh, with what's going on with the, uh, what's going on with Trout and or, or, and or Otani. I mean, the best one, two punch to have no, no three punch I've ever seen. Um, so okay, now let me ask you. So okay, you're not moving Trout. I mean, it was a you know a bit of a silly question. I understand that. Uh, what of though the um, the trade deadline? I mean, is there anybody that jumps out at you that? And I'm not asking who's going to be a buyer. I'm really curious who you think is going to be a seller. I think the Washington Nationals. I think Josh Bell has done a lot to really bring them something back. I think I think the Nationals sell for sure. Uh, they sell everybody that's not named Juan Soto. Uh, the problem is, is that not a lot of other guys on that team have have done a lot to distinguish themselves. But Josh Bell can really help another another roster. Um, I think so. That they are a for sure seller to me. Uh, you know, the Marlins could decide to sell one of those bats, but I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, you know, Arizona could sell something. Uh, I think that's a possibility. Uh, the Rockies could sell something. I think that's a possibility as well. Uh, you know, Oakland's always going to sell. The problem is, is I don't know that anybody's shopping at uh, 
uh, anybody's garage sale shopping in in July. It's too hot outside. So I, I don't think that I don't think that you're going to see that uh, that happen. But just kind of going around the league in my head. I mean, uh, the Cubs might be willing to sell something if there's something that uh, they have with their Man. roster that somebody really wants. I'd just be so interesting to see the Cubs and Stellar. And and I don't, you know, one of those little moves that happened today, the Braves, and this is just kind of, again, clicking around. Uh, I saw that the um, Braves basically got back a player, uh, Jacob Webb, uh, you know, a right-hand pitcher. N- nobody that would change the world, I think, for your um, for your franchise. But, the fact that, that the Braves are making these little tinkering moves with, with the Diamondbacks, by the way, is who the guy came from, it says to me that the Diamondbacks are, you know, they gave him up for cash, right? They basically bought the guy in a trade. I, when I see that, I see um, two, two signals. I see that the Braves are saying, okay, we've got this. We're moving in the right direction. We still need to make tweaks, but we don't need to make overhauls right now. Anybody – I, you know, the fact that this guy came from the Braves and went back to them, you know, there's familiarity. I'm sure that had had help. But I, I always find enormous, enormous uh, signs from these little deals because it tells you sort of what the teams are thinking and really how they feel about themselves. So, um, yeah, just an interesting note. As, as as Mike, you've been beating the drum on wanting to bring up the Braves and their their turnaround. And real quick, I just want to mention that if anybody wants to um, out there wants to turn around their threads, make sure you go to the PHI Apparel Co. That's phiapparel.co. And when you go there, make sure you use our promo code CHEFS. That's C H E F S for any apparel when you shop online. They've got a bunch of cool, unique designs. You can get uh, you, know, you can get your 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 Philly stuff and get your Eagle stuff. I know we've been seeing a lot of uh, you know a lot of chatter about the Eagles as, as uh, some of the summer camps and things pick up. So make sure you check it out. P H I A P P A R E L dot C O. Um, so I think yeah, Joe Girardi could about- use a, a hat or shirt. Yeah, exactly, right? Hey, listen, uh, with your purchase comes a free managerial job. No, it does not. Don't quote me on that, please. Um, listen, I, 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 don't, I didn't want to start with this because I know I'd go on a huge tangent, but I did want to talk about um, the Aaron Judge contract real quick. Now, I apologize. Have you guys had a chance to dive into this at all? We did not talk about it. Last week, but I have looked at, I have uh, read about this a little bit. Not as much as you, uh, Mr. Yankee, but <laughs> yes, I, I have dug into it a little bit, so uh, I can definitely comment on it. So it's just, but you, you know, he, I know that he, I know that he, I know that they threw a bunch of money at him and he turned it down, and now he's making it look like the smartest decision in the world to turn it down. Oh, absolutely, um, and and good for them. I mean. Uh, the offer was for seven years, um, and I believe it came out to $230 million. Yes, so it was a seven-year $230 million. That would have given him an AAV of $30.5 million, and Judge turned it down and bet on himself. Now, I will level with you guys. I thought he was crazy turning it down. I thought a guy who's injured that much – um, to get a seven-year deal was great for him. I was wrong, dead wrong. Uh, I think he's absolutely doing the right thing. Um, 
you know, again, I hope he stays healthy for the duration. You know, any one day, you know, any, you know, any fly ball that he just steps wrong, that's immediately everybody goes from lauding the decision to saying, well, you knew what you were and you screwed yourself. Um, but the way he's playing right now, and every time Judge has played a, uh, a full season, the guy has been in the MVP conversation. I mean, there's, there's, there's a, there's just, there's some of these guys, right? They don't even have to be the best player. Although I will say he's their best player, um, all around. They just have sort of that, that electricity in them. And, and, and okay, so the years in which Aaron Judge has played, you know, in in 2017, which is that year the Yankees made the ALCS, won the Rookie of the Year, was second in the MVP voting. Year after that, he finished in the top, you know, he finished 12th in the MVP voting, which is great, but he was an all-star. And then he had a couple of hurt years. Um, and then last year, he played 148 games, was fourth in the MVP voting. Um, and, it's, you know, he, he basically when he plays, he's good. He kind of reminds me of, well, I, here's a sad example. I'm going to use Chad Pennington. When the guy played, he was lights out. He wasn't the flashiest. I'm like Judge, who kind of is flashy. Um, but they're, they're guys who just get it done. So my bottom line with Aaron Judge is Jesus Christmas, figure it out. Um, but if he – I just don't see anybody who's going to be willing to pay him what the Yankees will, and he won't mean as much to anybody as uh, the Yankees will. And maybe I'm just saying that because I want that to be true. It might not be true. At the end of the day, it might just come down to who gives him the most money. But I do think that he likes playing for the Yankees. Uh, I think if he gets equal offers from the Yankees and someone else, that I believe he would stay home. Um, But it's not the same George Steinbrenner. It's not the same Brian Cashman that we've seen. I would almost venture to say if Judge was willing to take the biggest, you know, contract, I would – could you imagine if the Mets – Steve Cohen and all his money said, that's the guy I want just, you know, to prove that this isn't, uh, it's a new sheriff in town and literally in town. Um, where is he from? I've kind of been, he's from California. He's a California kid. That's the, that's the only horcrux to me of this whole thing. Uh, you know, if you want to laugh, he, he was drafted by the, uh, Oakland athletics, right? Um, right. Whenever I play my, uh, you know, I like to play, I love my MLB the show game. Every time he becomes a free agent, doesn't matter what the season, he always ends up on the on the Athletics. It's really annoying, but then I don't have to deal with him in the playoffs at least. Um, I think, I think that I think the Giants though. I think the Giants could sneak into this and, and possibly be a team that, that, that decided to make a push for him. That. That that's the one thing I think the Giants are, you know, they're they're sitting back and laying the weeds. They don't pounce on really big name free agents very often, but usually when they do decide to make a play at one, they they have a legitimate shot at getting. It. And to me, I think that some of the Giants brass are sitting back and they're going, you know what? Whether it's Aaron Judge next year or we finally can come up with the package to pry Juan Soto out of D.C. We want a really, really big-name guy as an anchor for our franchise. And and I think the Giants are going to be uh, going to have something to say about one of these big-name guys. 
I like that. I, I think the Gi- baseball is better when the Giants are good. They're just kind of just one of those franchises. Um, Texas. You know, as again, the what? Texas? Keep an eye on Texas. Uh, Texas I just don't know after they just threw $500 million dollars at their middle infield. I don't know. Yeah, but they they have money and they think they're getting good again. I I could see Texas deciding that they're tired of playing second fiddle to to Houston in that uh in their market. Also, ooh, that's I'm, a good point I, about the market. I flipped on I flipped on the uh, Angels Red Sox game just because I want to watch this train wreck continue to happen. And JD Martinez at the plate hit a long, should have been an easily catchable fly ball to right field. The Angels right fielder lost the ball in the sun and then tripped over his own two feet trying to get back and the ball fell in. J.D. Martinez doubled. Why they brought Joe Adele back, I don't know if he was raking at AAA, <laughs> but uh, welcome back, Joe Adele. You're continuing to do what you were doing the last time you were up. <laughs> That's not nice. That man has a family. <laughs> I don't think they're okay. They should be listening if they're not. Right, Ronald Acuna hit two home runs tonight. Yeah, man, you're 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 you were spot on on that one. I was nervous about him, but I, you know, I, as usual, I'm wrong. But uh, all right, so so listen, that, that that was that was my little spiel. I did want to take a quick moment on the Yankees. Uh, one thing I always like to do, um, and um, I have to give Nate a little bit of time because I, I feel like I need the Oriole report. So, Nate, you had said earlier that the um, that the Orioles have a lot of young arms, which they do. Um, how do you feel about their progress as of late? I haven't heard you talk Orioles baseball, and I weirdly miss it. I don't know what's going on. You didn't listen but, to the uh, show last but... <laughs> Shame, shame. Listen, I'm loving the shade that David's you know, catching from Mike. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, listen, it was my anniversary. If I wanted to make it to this episode, I, I, I had to miss it. I know, but you could have listened later. See, then you would have heard all the Orioles talk you need. But no, I'm just got you. Let's, let's go, Nate. What you got? <laughs> oh, the Orioles the last week, they, I think it was probably a microcosm of their season. So, Going coming out of Memorial Day weekend, they they took three out of five from the Red Sox over Memorial Day weekend, including losing a game twelve to two, turning around and winning the next game ten nothing. Both of those over the Red Sox. They then went in and lost the next game to Seattle ten nothing. So that's like three games in a row. Three games were decided by ten runs, by by a ten run margin. And then true to form, they go out and then they beat Seattle. And I, I think his score was like nine to one or nine nothing. It was like, it wasn't ten. It wasn't a ten run decision, but it was basically they. Every time you thought that they were going to get buried in the run differential, they just came right back up, right back around. And like, no, nah, we're just going to dump a bunch here. They ended up losing the series to Seattle. They lost. A, they uh, lost the series to Cleveland, but they didn't get swept in any of them. So that was important. They got to the they got to the one exactly one third of the way through the season playing 400 baseball, which will be about if you calculate that out over the season that puts them at about 68 wins. 
personally, I know there are a lot of Orioles fans that think that that's not good enough. They want to see this team. They started getting on the bandwagon when they started, when the Orioles were doing good things against the Yankees. They started getting more excited at the St. Louis series. They got excited over the Boston series thinking, hey, maybe we push for 500. Orioles fans, keep yourself, like, don't put the cart in front of the horse. Like, just reel it in a little bit. Realize that at the end of the day, this is a four. This is a 400-ball club. Maybe they get hot somewhere in the middle of the summer here now that we've finally gotten through that bullcrap schedule that the scheduler, that the Major League schedule, Major League Baseball schedule people gave them to start the year where they played. I think they, haven't they already played like 12 games against the Yankees or something out of their allotted 18 in the first month and a half of baseball? So you get through that gamut. They're now settling into this nice little soft underbelly. If they can string a couple of wins together here, I think 72 wins on the year is still in play, but this is right, right where they need to be. The only, there's one big gray cloud black spot hanging over this whole thing. And that's like Grayson Rodriguez over the, over the weekend. He left his start in Norfolk after five and a third scoreless innings with Soreness in his back. Turns out it's a grade two strain of his lat. So they're shutting him down. The top pitching prospect in baseball, he shut down and definitely probably going to miss the rest of the season. Although I was listening to, I was listening to a bit of the Oriole Cub game radio before we came on air and uh, Mike Elias was in the booth and he said that Grayson, so you know, the radiology says it's a grade two, but he says that Grayson is feeling like it's only a grade one strain. So who knows? Maybe he recovers quickly and he does get back on the mound. You'd like to see him at least pitch August, maybe September games in AAA. That way he can break camp and be with the major league squad full time next year because he was, but for this injury, he was maybe a week away from coming up and joining the MLB rotation full-time, and there's a spot open with uh, some of the injuries that have bitten the Orioles' starting rotation. But Let me tell you something. Good news, Without injuries, there would still be a spot open yeah. in the uh, Baltimore Orioles' rotation. If you yeah. Could pitch <laughs> yeah, that's probably absolutely true. But if you're young and you've got potential, farm, we've got a spot for you. But for for all the injury news with Grayson Allen, they also did just promote two guys, Jordan Westberg and Gunnar Henderson, who are absolutely destroying the baseball at double-A. So those guys are going to make their triple-A Norfolk debuts either tonight or tomorrow. So, Dave, you kind of touched on it earlier. It is a team that's trending. You look like – it looks like there's a direction, and it looks like things are heading in a positive – I don't want to say direction again, but I'm, I'm going to say it again. Positive direction. We're trending up the only Upper trajectory. Is, you can do that. Yeah, there we go. The only problem is they're in a division with Tampa, who's always good. New York, who's got, I think, five or six top 100 prospects themselves. Toronto's got five top 100 prospects. So everybody in the AL East continues to remain good, and all of the prospects are playing really well, which – Broad picture, great for baseball. We've got a lot of really young guys that are banging on the door to get to major league, get to the major league level. Individual team wise, can't wait for this balanced schedule to come into play, so we don't have to get our head kicked in every every year. Yeah, and the other thing with those prospects, as you both know, it's uh, it's not just the fact that those guys could look 
very well could produce for these franchises down the road. It's also what can they be flipped into for guaranteed good players that you know, you know, I, I wonder how much it's a case of reputation, but I feel like players in the Yankees and the Dodgers and, and even Tampa's farm systems get uh, almost overvalued at their youth simply just because of the teams that they're coming from. Uh, I, I, I do wonder that because you'll often see players leave Tampa and not quite perform as well uh, as, as they should. But I do. I think that's a reputation move, and I think that has to happen across all of not just baseball, but like sports. You know, like if you're coming from the Steelers system, you're you're expected to do more. If you're coming from the Patriots system, you expect you know your expectations will be higher. I think the same is going to be true in baseball, and I think that that in a way that that also hurts a team like the like Baltimore. If if what I said is true, well then you're also saying that a team that might not traditionally play as well might not have those prospects that you're excited about to flip uh, could, could garner as much uh, in return. Yeah. If you're Baltimore, you're a long way from thinking about flipping anybody. Yeah. I don't think Baltimore is going to be looking to trade any of their prospects right now, but to, to the point that you were making there, though, Dave, I would think if I were a GM, you, you mentioned some of the franchises that maybe their prospects are getting overvalued because the franchise has been so good. You, you hit on the Dodgers, you hit on the Yankees. You mentioned the Rays. If I'm a GM, I'm never trading for a Rays pitching prospect because outside of there's – something, there's something weird in the water in the Tampa-St. Pete area that when guys are there, they can play well and they can pitch well. But as soon as they leave, they're terrible, as you mentioned. But if you are looking for just – if you're looking to get a prospect and then develop him himself into Major League talent, the Orioles, you look across Major League Baseball, look at the different rosters, and look at some of these guys that are really stud players. They started or were drafted in the Orioles system. I'm thinking Josh Hader. I'm thinking Manny Machado, um, Kevin Gossman. He, he – Turned We're about to go through the list of everybody that breaks Nate's heart, Nate's heart when they play well. <laughs> I mean, even Dylan Bundy's had a moment for – he's had a couple of nice moments for the Angels in his career. Now, I think Dylan, he's another I think case you guys of had not, Cortez not the at some guy, point but, too, right? Yeah, they did. <laughs> Dylan Bundy's yeah, one of those weird but, pitchers, though. He could go 12, yeah. 12 uh, strikeouts over seven innings, or he could give up. Uh, you know, be lucky if he gives up. Uh, he, he might give up twelve uh, runs before he gets seven outs. Yeah, uh, but yes, Dave, we did. We draft. We took Nestor Cortez from the Yankees in the Rule Five draft back in twenty was that twenty sixteen twenty seventeen, and then he never even made it out of camp. I think he made like a start, possibly for the Orioles, and then we let him go. He came back to you. You didn't even hold him. You let him go somewhere else. You brought him back now, and apparently he's now the best pitcher in the American League. Mike Trout just hit a two-run home run for the Angels. They're up 2 nothing on Boston in the bottom of the first inning. Nasty go. Nestor. Go. go Angels. All right, guys. Listen, it's, I got a couple of minutes before we are calling it. I don't really understand how it went that quickly, I swear. So every time we do this, <laughs> there's a tear in the space-time continuum or something. Um, but uh, before before I, I hit any of that closed up, I just want to say great to talk to you guys yet again about baseball. 
Uh, I want to give a quick open forum, any plugs, anything you want to shout out uh, before we call it a night or any last thoughts on the field. Uh, Mike, let's go with you. Toss it to Nate, and then I'll call it a day. Real quick, Atlanta Braves are the last team in Major League Baseball to win three games in a row. Uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates won three in L.A., which uh, beat them to that. But now the Braves have now won six in a row, so they got a six-pack. We're working on seeing if we can get a 12 or now. Uh, Ronald Acuna has started to find some power, so Braves are starting to find new life. Listen, check out uh, the Barbershop on Clubhouse. Check out Sports City Chefs and all their other shows that we have going on. The time of Sunday morning brunch, the cookout on Wednesday nights, lots of other things. Check out the website, the blog, Clubhouse, uh, Barbershop on Clubhouse. And then there's also a baseball collective room on Wednesday nights at 9 Eastern. Um, so come over after the cookout if you want to and check it out. We have uh, lots of major league players, reporters, and all kinds of stuff. Lots of good baseball conversation over there. So check out any of that. Follow us on uh, any of those platforms and uh, continue to support us. Without the listeners, we don't have anything. Nate, what you got, man? <laughs> wow. Uh, I had one little nugget that I wanted to throw when we were when we were on the topic of buyers and sellers. There are two teams that jump out to me as these guys should be buyers if they can turn their major league roster and their major league play around enough. That would be the Angels and the White Sox. They could be buyers to get back into that wild card or even their possibly their division races. The problem is they are the only two franchises with no top 100 prospects. So even if they want to be buyers, wow. they have nothing. They have nothing to sell. <laughs> they have nothing to give up. You, to buy. To, you might have to just go after a bad contract. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but yes, yeah, that's what I've got. I'm looking forward to this again next week, guys. Always fun. Always enjoyable. Mike hit everybody else you're supposed to check out, and I'm sure Dave will close us out with his last two chefs at checkout uh, 15% off oh listen Mike, Mike's all over it make sure you get your good stuff over there at the PHI apparel co uh, you know and uh, listen like I said if you're if you get uh, one of everything uh, you get the job as the Phillies manager so uh, but seriously check us check out our sponsor they're great to us PHI apparel co um, We've got a like, I mean, Mike covered it all for us. We've got a lot of great stuff going on. www.sportcitychefs. Make sure you check us out on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. Sports City Chefs. I have said enough for a lifetime, and for the last time, I wish you all a very pleasant, good afternoon. City chefs is in the room, cooking up hot topics to put up on your spoon. They well in tune, blown like a flower in June. Superman vs. MF Doom, the clouds loom. So tell a friend, it's the Sports City Chefs again. Pay attention, tune in, we on the set again. Uh-huh.